Good morning, good morning. If you don't know the lady next to you, or in front of you, or beside you, introduce yourself. No, 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 it's not. Not Michelle. It is Michelle. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Michelle. I, I just asked you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was, I just asked her too, but that's how long it, okay. You can hang on to that and I'll get it back okay. from you because it's got updates. And then I'll get it back from you and give you one. And okay, one great. Okay, dear class, if I could have your attention. I have a bunch of prayer requests. Please get your, please get your pen out. And now go to your sweet neighbor and go like this. You get to zip it. All righty. Let's uh, please, if you have uh, your blue sheet, these are just for our class. And I have a number of prayer requests. I'd like to get on these right now today for this week. Um, Peggy there, Peggy next to Bev. Her son Justin is going in for another uh, neurological uh, test. It's a very serious thing. Please lift up Peggy and Justin. They're on our list, but make a note of that. And then, dear Cindy, her Rachel, who is also on our list, is just going through a horrible physical time with a number of issues. Cindy uh, told me she could have her own prayer sheet completely filled up. It's just a really hard time. And then also yeah, this morning is, is predominant, and it's on our um, as salvation that she would come to know the Lord. And then Cindy's cousin, Nancy, who does know the Lord, she went to heaven this morning, and she has been on our prayer list in times past, and um, and it it's been a rough time, and so um, and pray for the family and the hearts, and and praise God for heaven that is real. Heaven is more real than you and me sitting here right now, and uh, and what a day that will be. And then please pray for the Franzel family, F R A N Z E L, the Franzel family. They had a daughter uh, that just graduated that was killed in a car accident. She, it is a relative to Deanna um, McCrum, the family that have their children in our school. And, and, and what a tragedy. But Katie um, told me she did know the Lord, which is just huge, which is huge. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And, um, you know... God has given us that victory, but please pray for the Franzel family. And then um, some added ones here. Uh, Kayla Rains uh, her, is our, the, uh, Stephen and Tina yep, to Africa. Her health, Kayla Rains and Sarah Orgorman, which we, yep, with that, um, Yep. So please, those are on our those are our missionaries that um, can use very current prayer for them. Uh, Carol, friend Nancy having foot surgery. Where's my Where's Carol? This Carol. Great. Okay. Um, what's your Nancy? Okay, friend Nancy having foot surgery on Wednesday, and friend Phyllis removing a tumor due to cancer. Okay. So these are friends of of Carol. And Bruce, um, Nancy, and Phyllis on that. All right, and Karen. Todd is going to have um, on June 16th 
Oh, yes. Ouch. But praise the Lord, it's yeah. minor, and um, he's getting that as it's dealt with. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. However, because of everything he's been through, the yeah. body just isn't repairing itself. Yes. So Todd is fighting cancer and has been. Um, and praise the Lord, his numbers have been good. He's doing well. He's, he is suffering a lot of fatigue, which might sure. just be a new normal because he was up at Father's Son Retreat. Oh. He came home and had to go to bed immediately. He's like, yeah. Normal. Well, I do that when I go to the ladies' retreat. So. <laughs> Exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It's outpatient. It's Amen. And that is uh, June 16th. We will do that, Karen. Um, praise the Lord for the good news we've gotten back on Leslie's Carter, and and you're waiting on more news. Okay. Okay, and continue in prayer concerning um, concerning that. And Julie? Just quickly, um, Ryan and Steph are coming on the 13th, and um, Trenton has not been in the car seat for more mm. than like an hour in the last couple of years, so, and it really makes him upset. Irritates him, yes. <laughs> Trenton deals with many, many behavioral issues from birth, just... Um, uh, just a, an everyday yeah. trusting in the Lord experience. So they're traveling June 13th, which also um, we've been praying concerning Tammy's Allen, who will be flying here. Um, driving. driving. Uh, why was I thinking flying? Okay, yeah, okay, he's driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, great, yeah. Amen. After that, sir. But if you know the hospital, yes. That's side effect of some medications you have to Okay. Take. Okay. The doctor says that that also causes some other pressure. Sure. And so June 26th, he's having surgery to remove it. Wow. Okay. June 25th. That's Tom and Betty. Okay. Okay. Bev? Right, with Nine COVID. Praise the Lord. Wow, wow, that is wonderful. We have been praying for her like crazy. I want to introduce some visitors. Um, first of all, those of you who have not yet met Carol and Jan and Leslie, please meet them. And then right here, we have Shannon, who is been here before many of you know her <laughs> shannon is kent and alice's daughter okay kent niederstadt so and then we have michelle and she's up here with us so it is just a blessing to have each one of you here amen and amen and right now we're going to pray and we're going to leap into psalm 23 if you want to turn to your bibles to psalm 23 And I have already chopped a third of this out because the ending is the best part and we have to get to the ending. So let's do that. Father, thank you that you are our shepherd. Oh, dear Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
And Father, you make us to lie down in green pastures, the promises and the sufficiency that we find only in you. Lord, I pray there are so many needs represented just in our beautiful little classroom. God, there's some heartbreaking ones. And then, Lord, there's just some irritating daily ones. Father, help us find that rest that we need. May we problem solve and deal what's in our head and our heart according to the truth of your word. And may we leave this Sunday school classroom refreshed and renewed because of your green pasture. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Now, he maketh me. Interesting that sheep cannot be made to lie down. They cannot be made to lie down until four requirements are met. Only when we find freedom from fear, from agitation, from irritation, and from hunger will we lie down. Now, the other interesting fact that the expert filler Philip Keller brings out is the fact that it is the only the shepherd that can provide this for the sheep. We cannot, we cannot do these things for ourselves. We cannot personally find freedom from fear, freedom from agitation, freedom from irritation, freedom from hunger in ourselves. We are not, we, sheep of all the livestock are the most helpless, the most hopeless, and the most needy. And turn to the lady next to you and say, you poor sheep. <laughs> and this is why we need a shepherd. And this is why Jesus is called the good shepherd because he provides these very basic needy things for we his sheep so that we will lie down and find the rest and the renewal that we need. Not when we get to heaven. Girls, for today. That's the biggest part of the miracle for me because we're living in this moment today and we need to find his green pasture and his rest in the midst of this. Um, so I'm cutting out all the review because we're going to move right into the first reason fear. Oh, see, I just can't. <laughs> we dealt with fear. That is the basic neediness part of we, the sheep. You, 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 and me will be overcome with fear apart from following the shepherd and, first of all, knowing the shepherd and then following the shepherd. Number two, we are in agitation. The second reason why we will not lie down in God's green pasture. And Philip Keller, the shepherd, writes, this agitation has to do with the sheep closest to you. In other words, the family unit, the, the sheep you live with, the sheep you work with, the sheep closest to you. Philip Keller writes, a sheep, you cannot make her lie down if she is agitated with those around her. Hmm, kind of sounds familiar. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So the family unit or home sweet home. Now, we took a lesson from the birds who build their home with sticks and stones, hard, pointy things that make up their home. 
but they deal with the sharp, pointy things in their home. You know how they deal with it? With the very feathers and down from their own body. They pluck it off and they line their nest. And then they get real resourceful and they look around for string and lint and soft things. They get resourceful and they, they find anything that they can find to pad their nest to make it home sweet home, to make it a better place to live, to make it a place that I just need to get home. As a matter of fact, it's so nice, they have to kick the, ch the little chicks, the little birds out of their nest, you know, because they've made it a good place to be. God says, child, get resourceful like the birds. Matter of fact, Jesus draws our attention. He says, would you please consider the ravens? Would you look to the birds because they're your example for home sweet home? Uh, look for ways to make your home a place of rest, a place of edification, a, a place of comfort, a place of I've just got to get home. Because everybody's been flying around all day in different directions, and they need to be able to come home and go, this is where I'm accepted. This is where I'm loved. God has equipped you and me, just like he equipped the birds with down and feathers to line their nest to make it a soft receiving place. He's equipped you and me with a miracle in our body to make our nest soft and comfortable, even though we are always dealing with sharp, pointy circumstances and people. And you know what that miracle is? It's the miracle of the mouth. We spent two weeks talking about it. With the miracle of the mouth, God says, this is what I want you to use to soften and line your nest. Pleasant words, Proverbs 16, 24, are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. It's literally inside emotionally, and then it's outside physically. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Honey in the morning, honey in the evening, honey at supper time. Be my little honey. That's home. That's home. That's what, that is what we can make available with the miracle of the mouth that God formed. It's the reason he made our mouth to glorify him and edify others. A soft answer turneth away wrath. So finishing off that, it was death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, edifying. So I hope there was a lot of padding and a lot of cushioning going on in our homes last week because we claimed our shepherd's instruction concerning agitation. Now, if there wasn't, I know that it reveals that I don't just have a mouth problem. It's deeper. You see, my tongue becomes the serpent's tail that's attached to my heart. Do you know how God describes my heart? He says, child, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. And then Luke 6, 45, Jesus said, out of the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaketh. So my mouth tattles on my heart all the time. It picks up on where we left off last week in finding the victory side when boulders fall into your day. I'm not talking about the sticks and stones of daily living and, and, and uh, the little things that we all deal with, that we deal with with our mouth God's way, a soft answer. How can I help? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? All words 
that are meant to make home a sweet place. But what happens when a boulder drops in? It's not just the little stuff, like Junior not picking up his room. It's big. It's not a little fox that's spoiling the vine. You know what it is? It's the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's fallen into your day or into your life. It's where we left off with last week's illustration. I'm driving home from the hospital. My three little ones, I think on this particular time, I have it in my, my notes from way back when, but the girls were not quite four, Trina and Tina, and Clint was not quite two. And we were coming home from the hospital, and they were buckled in, and before I left the parking lot, they all three were asleep. You know how that happens when the sun's shining in? It happens to me now, too. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. And I look in my rear view mirror, and I see these three little cherub faces. And I say, be soon quiet for 10 minutes, the time it takes me to get home. But it wasn't peace and quiet. It was just quiet. I had no peace. I'd just been given another awful bunch of news concerning Clint's progress. Our son, Clint, the sunshine in our day, he's born with Down syndrome. The, the uh, therapist had just told me that for the last two years, all the work we'd been doing with Clint's muscle tone, he may never walk. His muscle tone was not developing, and it was just one more bushel load on my heart. Two years of working with his muscles, every hour that he was awake, five to 10 minutes out of every hour, we did therapy. Twice a week, we went to the hospital for professional therapy, where we charted everything. If there was any space left in my mind and my heart that was not discouraged and overwhelmed, then it was filled with fear. Because three days earlier, we had just rushed the twins again into the hospital at night with convulsions, both unconscious. This had been going on since they were about a year old. Every time they got a fever, they would go into convulsions unless I could keep it under 100 degrees. And in my heart, with all this new bad news, I felt in my gut, we're not done with this bout. They're going to get a fever again. I just know it. Well, as I looked at those little faces now, peacefully asleep, <laughs> I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you have given us these three beautiful gifts. They are my most precious gift next to my salvation. And Doug. But right now we're so involved with children. You, those children years, you all get that. And I said, you've told us we are fearfully and wondrously made. But all I'm feeling is the fear. I am consumed with it. I don't know what to do. Show me what I need to see. And that was right when that male driver pulled out. I'm on Gratiot going 45, pulled out right in front of me. I slammed on my brakes, Peggy, screeching the car. The children wake up with a scream, bawling their eyes out. This man is looking in his rear view mirror with eyes bugging out bigger than saucers. 
and I am clenching the steering wheel, and I look at him, and I spew out, read my lips. You are a jerk. And he goes, he read my lips. <laughs> well, I couldn't wait to get home. It was the proverbial straw on the camel's back, and... Uh, what did I just prove? Out of the abundance of the heart, Linnell, my mouth speaketh, or in this case, yelleth. I just yelled at a complete stranger. That poor man obviously did not see me, but I had no grace for his mistake. All I saw was a befuddled, rotten driving man that caused me more trouble. I shouted a mean word. Three little sets of ears and eyes, the most precious gifts in my life, just heard and saw their mommy lose it. I couldn't wait to get home. Got them out of their car seats, went to my bedroom, pulled out a washcloth, ran it under water, and cried into it for 15 seconds, because that's all I had before the time they got back to the door, you know. So we didn't do Bible time on therapy days before we left. We did it when we got back. So I grabbed their blanket, our Bible time blanket. We had our Bible time. We, we had lunch. I put them down for their nap, and I grabbed my Bible, and I walked to the dark corner in our family room, and I sat down, and I told the Lord he needed to show me what I needed to see because I was not doing this life thing. I was not doing this mommy thing. I was not doing anything right. Oh, I got the anger right. The fear. So I began to pray before I started to search for his answer. And right then, in my prayer, I began excusing myself to God. Okay, now that is an indicator that is the first place we go when we are overwhelmed, even when we're underwhelmed. <laughs> it started in the Garden of Eden. This woman thou hast given me, you know, and yada yada. I began excusing myself to God. God, I'm just so burdened. God, I'm so filled with fear. God, my responsibilities are causing me to fear more. Right there. Girls, those are all lies. Those are lies that are meant to keep me trapped in my fear and in my insufficiency and in my ineptness and keep me trapped in anger. They are not the truth. I'm spewing, I'm talking to God from my feelings. And that's not prayer. That is not prayer. And as I'm giving him all my excuses as to why, I said, those are just the ones in my home. There's a whole slew of them outside my front door. Do you know, when you start listing and excusing your pain, your fears, your problems, do you know what it does? It opens a Pandora box. And I will start giving him all the things, listing all the things, all the reasons, all the people all the situations that have ever hurt me. I'll go all the way back to my childhood in this desperation prayer. It's not prayer. So mark that down right now. My, my venting, my spewing, my listing, my excusing, oh, and then blaming is the kissing cousin to excusing. 
well, if he wouldn't have done that, or if this thing wouldn't have happened, or if I never would have had this diagnosis well. No, 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 no. Those are all blaming that will keep me wrapped up in this horrible place. It's rehearsing every awful thing in our life. Want to have a bad day? <laughs> it's not going. It is not going to the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. It's not casting my care on him because he cares for me. This is what it is. Ready? It's whining. It's whining. And whining is always a low form of anger. I highly recommend Debbie Pride's book, P-R-Y-D-E, Why Am I So Angry? Debbie, D-E-V-I-P-R-Y-D-E, Why Am I So Angry? When I am whining and complaining, it's just simple. It's like an acceptable way to be mad, and it's not. It's not prayer. Now, this is why it's not prayer, too. There is no faith involved when I'm giving God all this information. There's no faith involved. I'm just venting. I'm spewing. I'm excusing. There is no faith involved in that. It's all about what I'm what? Feeling. That's not faith. There is no hope involved in that kind of I don't even want to call it praying, but it's, it's often where we get stuck and we wonder why, why there's no answer, why there's no peace. It is not, it is not faith. It is feeling. There's no hope in that rhetoric. You know what it's all about? It's all about my hopelessness. I'm reinforcing all that I am not and all that I can't do. It's not about... We get to go to the throne room of grace and God describes himself as the God of what, girls? All hope. Child, I am the God of all hope. You have no excuse to live hopelessly. There's no acknowledging God in this prayer. Who am I acknowledging? It's all about whom? Me. It's all about my pain, my hurt, my fear, my mad. God allowed me to know the desperation for the purpose of taking me to prayer 101. And I can almost pinpoint, I can't tell you the date, but it was this day when that man almost slammed into us. Here's the boulder. And by the way, it wasn't the car accident or the car, the near miss. It wasn't that. It was everything. See, that's how it always goes with a boulder thing. Do you know how often two words find a, a home in our heart and our mind? These two words, ready? What if? What if? What if? We'll find a, a place in our heart and our mind, and they are the heaviest two words we live with. And the longer we live with them and the longer we don't know what to do with them, the heavier they get. What if? What if? Clint brought so many what ifs into my life. There was a time at night, I mean, I never slept. The, the children were all young anyways, and so I was up with one of them for a number of years. But, but that wasn't the hard part. The physical part for we girls is never the hard part. We can, we can do it physically. We really can. But emotionally and mentally, I remember laying in bed with the what ifs. And I literally wished I could have taken my brain out of my head so I could get some rest. 
because I was plagued with it. What if? No wonder life stops being fun. No wonder life gets heavy. No wonder life is no more anything spontaneous. No wonder we don't lie down in God's green pasture. Prepared for us to give me the rest that at that point in my life I so desperately needed. And I kept saying, well, just, well, well what if? And, and if only. And, and found nothing. If you are living with a what if throughout your day, this is the number one thing your heavenly father, your shepherd, wants you to do. Number one. Ready? It's found in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Jot that down. The very first thing he wants us to do. Now, I'm going to read it to you because of time. 2 Corinthians 10.5. I think I said 15. I meant to say 5. God tells me, casting down imaginations. Now, now think about that right now. Do you know what I always imagine? I always imagine the worst scenario. Do you? I imagine the worst. It, bang, it's right there. I don't even consciously call it to mind. It's just there. And God's word says, cast that imagination down, child, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You see, that high thing, that, that worst-case scenario has just reigned in my head. It's the highest thing. It is controlling me. It is determining me. I have just placed it on the throne of my brain and my life. And God says, cast it off. I belong there. I belong there. I reign. I made you. You are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I have a plan for you. And it's a good plan with an expected end. And you're going to love the ending. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Now capture that, the knowledge of God. Know him. It begins with Psalm 23, the Lord. We spent two or three weeks on that two-word phrase, the Lord, who he is and what he does. And as I go through bolder things, things that are spelt out cancer, things that are spelt out death, things that are spelt out handicaps, things that are spelt out bankruptcy, things that are spelt out rebellion, hard things. God says, let me work in them. I know all about it. I have a plan for your pain. I have an expected end. Bringing into captivity, ready, I have, I have this so underlined in my Bible. What am I to bring into captivity? the thing that's holding me captive, every thought. <laughs> I've written in my side, imagining the worst is the worst thing I can do. Take it into captivity, cast it out, and then having in, 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 in my head, in my brain, in my heart, a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This simply means cast it out and then be ready to take in what I want to give you. What does God want to give This is the exact time I started. I got up from that Bible time where I felt so crushed. And I started getting God's power statements in my head and my verbiage as I never had before. What do you replace what if with? You replace it with the reigning power of God. God can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
God doeth all things well. Now, I just went down to two words because that's all I could function at that time in my life. I needed it fast, and I needed it right away. Oh, there was something I wanted to bring to you. Um, anyways, that's where, you know, the many, many lessons on the two-word power statements take you away from what if, and they are replaced with God's powerful word. Oh, the faith that I was not praying. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. You get the word of God in your vocabulary and in your head, and you keep repeating it until it is saturated in your heart, and it will change your day. The circumstances may not change, but this is what happens. Our Lord becomes the counterbalance as we activate our faith. I am under a boulder, and I see no way out until... Patiently, the Lord teaches you, child, child, cast your care upon me. I care for you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, James writes, and what? He will lift you up. But I'm under a rock, Lord. I'm under a boulder. I know. I know. I'm going to lift you up. This is where we begin. We begin by activating your, your faith. That's the size of a mustard seed, the tiniest seed gave you salvation, now it's going to give you victory. Burdens that come into each of our lives are not meant to crush us. They are meant to remake us. Pray your faith. God knows. God has a plan. When your mind begins to dwell on what's wrong, I am opening up the door to anxiety and depression. Heaviness is not a sin. The burden that we're feeling of, I can't do this, is meant to get our attention. Thus, your cookie. Your snail cookie, when a boulder drops into your day, if it doesn't stop you, it slows you down. <laughs> God, you've got my attention. And then you've got a little snail beside the other snail because that's called influence. What you do in these situations and these occasions that may be for a week, a month, a year, or the rest of your life is the most significant influence as you live your faith in front of your family, in front of others, as you speak your faith. And now we're going to go into the speaking and the changing because this, this is the best part. When I sat there in that corner bawling my eyes out, not even able to breathe. I was so sick of how I was feeling. Can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. That's where I was living. Can't do it, can't do it. But I was doing it. I was gritting my teeth. And I was doing it. And I know I can do this motherhood thing. And I know Clint can know that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know my girls are going to grow up and love God with all their heart and mind. I can't do it right where I needed to be because I had to learn how to do the doing of it. I love, I love what um, David writes. I can't give you the reference right now. It's Psalms. And, and David says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet. See, in other words, he thought, my way is not working. This is what something catastrophic, something big does. It drops in on you and it makes you stop and it makes you think. And then, and then you deal with it ineptly 
or fearfully or angrily for a little bit of time, and all of a sudden the spirit of God that lives inside of you says, aren't you sick of living this way? Don't you want to find the rest that I have provided for you on a daily basis? Think, and David's thinking. He's being chased, you know, for his life by Saul. And then by Absalom, his own son. He says, I thought on my ways, my way's not working, and I turned my feet, ready, unto thy testimonies. God has his answer for the way we need to go when we are under a boulder. Let's get into those ways right now. I thought it was Psalm 119, 59. Thank you, Karen. When the boulder drops, if it doesn't stop us, it slows us down. We go from doing everything to I can't do this. And finally, when we say that, all the angels in heaven begin to clap and shout or say, duh, of course you can't. We were not made to live independent from our maker. Number one, acknowledge, I can't do this. Number two, don't pray the problem. We just addressed that. Don't pray excuses or blame. They will only add heaviness to the burden. Do pray, God, open my eyes to what I need to see. Those were all under number two, those of you who are OCD. <laughs> <laughs> number three, start acknowledging God in all your ways. Be careful for nothing, Philippians 4 says. That means don't be overly concerned about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace that passes, understanding the peace of God that passes, will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I don't have to lose my mind, and my heart doesn't have to be filled with this fear. You know, I'm not going to stop there. Well, I could. I could. Okay, that poor man that pulled out in front of me and made a mistake, I addressed the mistake I called him a jerk, and it kept me blind, blinded to everything except what I labeled him. See, that's where name coming becomes so damaging. It blinds us that all we see is what we are spewing out. What if, on the other hand, when, when we're going back to point number three, acknowledging God in all my ways. I didn't acknowledge God with that man's mistake. I acknowledged my anger, my frustration. What if I had acknowledged God? Had I done that? What could I have done exactly to acknowledge God when somebody almost broadsides me with three little ones? I could have immediately shouted, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. That's what Peter cried when he began to drop in the water. He, he took a few steps. He, what did he, help, Lord. Just as fast as that, had I acknowledged the Lord instead of myself in that panic-stricken moment, these, here's a number of things that would have happened. First of all, it would have opened my eyes up to what God is doing. Do you know what I never saw? I never saw that God protected us. My babies were fine. I was fine. That man was fine. I never saw that protection. When I acknowledged my frustration, all I saw was him. Had I just said, help us, Lord, I would have seen. My next, after the squealing, screeching brakes would have stopped, my next comment would have been, girls, it's okay. We're fine. We're safe. The Lord protected us. An opportunity to glorify God. No one was hurt. There wasn't even a dent in the cars. When we acknowledge God in what's wrong, your eyes are open to what's right. 
James 1.20. I love James. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. God never works in my anger. Now, the greatest part of seeing what God wanted me to see, here's the paradigm shift. We have five unadulterated minutes. Stay with me. This is the biggest part of the victory of living and loving your life while you carry a heavy burden. I never would have seen this had it not been for the straw that broke my back with that man pulling out because I would not have been as desperate as I felt. Write this down, 1 Corinthians 10.31. It's huge. 1 Corinthians 10, Where, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. As I sat there in the corner of my family, I'm saying, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'm just feeding into my patheticness as I'm reading this, you know, riot act to God. I, had, I always studied with a Crudence back then. It's a, it's a book, a Crudence Concordance, where every word gives you scriptural reference. I love my Crudence. I still use that hard copy. I looked up the word do. This was the verse it took me to. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. And God's spirit said, Kathy, you're not doing this for me. You're doing it for you. You mean I'm not going to therapy? I, Lord, look what I'm doing. And I was doing a lot of doing. But Kathy... You have your expectations all tied up in what you are doing. And every day you are deeply disappointed because those expectations are not being met. Would you please let me free you from your expectations? Would you please do all that you do for my glory and not yours? Especially the good things like Clint's therapy. And I'm going like a light went on. But Lord... Exactly, how do I do that? I mean, I had given the therapist gospel tracts. Of course I did. I would invited him out to church. Of course I did. But that's not honoring God. Start getting serious about doing everything. Um, a scripture that we're going to come into, in word and deed, every word and every deed, let it reference your God. The words, in word or deed, um, I had just been crushed by more words, more fear-filled words filled my head, not faith-filled, God-honoring words. And that's when I began changing my words and speaking them into my disappointing moments, my fearful moments. We were going to have years more of Clint's therapy, years more of the girls' convulsions. God didn't change the burden. He changed me. His yoke is easy, and his burden is what, girls? Light. And I got up from that prayer time determined that I was going in every word and every deed, God, I'm going to honor you. I can't do this by me. I'm carrying it by me. And as I humbled myself and went through these very steps, and then I made a plan, like the bird who made a plan. If a bird brain can make a plan, you and I can make a plan, okay? And I said, what do I do? How do I, what do you mean by, by honor you, glorify you in all that you do and say, Kathy, your therapy time, you know, that has just crushed you again because Clint did not do well. And then you got all that bad news. Clint, Clint. At this time in our life, um, Clint was just two. The girls were, I think, 
just for. Um, we had been learning Makatan. Clint could not speak, but I knew he understood. Makatan is a form of sign language that is being used for stroke victims and for challenged people. It's an easy sign language. The whole family learned it. And so we were commuting, and Clint was using Makatan to talk to us. It was the most beautiful thing. And so I said, I know what I'm going to do. Clint and the girls will sing a song before we start therapy, because the girls were always with me. You know, we walk the street like this. Hang on to my skirt, hang on to my skirt. I'm pushing the stroller, you know. It's a hospital, roads were busy. And so on this, two days later, the girls are hanging on to me, and they are skipping, literally skipping. I'm sure my skirt got higher and higher. <laughs> and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing the stroller. And they were so excited because they were going to sing for the therapist. We got in there, and I said, before we start our therapy, Clint and Trina and Tina want to sing you a song. And I told them about Makatan because they were talking with Clint with some very simple signs that I had taught them. And so they sat there. Clint sat there like a little Indian. The girls are standing, and they begin singing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. They were, and here's Clint. He can't speak, but he's making all the tunes and sounds and all the signs, very clearly the signs. And the one therapist says, hey, hey, wait a minute. Can I bring somebody back here? And she went and she got a gentleman, probably late 40s, early 50s, young, who'd had a stroke. He was learning, trying to learn to walk again, and his speech was garbled. And she said, after I introduced myself, and, and I said, this is Clint, and we're here because he's trying to learn to walk too. And you know what? I believe with all my heart God is going to do that in him, and I believe God is going to do that in you, sir. I said, now Clint has this song, and the girls are going to sing with him. And they began to sing, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the... I looked up at the man. And in his garbled way, says to us, The issue of all that we say and do is not about us, my dear sisters in Christ. It's about giving God glory and watching God do what only he can do. So then that finished, and we went on for Clint's therapy on that day, and Clint had the worst therapy session he'd ever had in his life. But you know what? I wasn't burdened. I wasn't crushed. I was lifted up. That's what God's spirit does inside of you when you get serious about in word or deed. Do all, do all, do all. Guess who was waiting for us three days later when we came in for our next session? The therapist. The first thing they said to us was, hey, we've got two patients we want to wheel back. Will everybody sing for them? <laughs> God has a desired end. My dear sister, we have boulders in our life. It's a part of this cursed world. God has a plan for the boulders, and it is something you cannot imagine.
Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. It is your word in our mouth, our mind, and our heart that frees us. It isn't freedom, it's liberty. And God, that we can walk through this life in liberty. I thank you for the good, sunshiny, happy days. But God, I thank you for those hard days. Because that's where we truly see what you want us to see. In thy precious name, amen and amen.